0: Hello
1: and welcome to another Giants Double Play Podcast. I'm Henry Shulman, the Giants beat reporter for The Chronicle, and this is my first podcast from 2019 spring training in Scottsdale, Arizona. Today I'm turning the tables on a guy who has interviewed me often, the very popular host of the Giants pre- and post-game shows on KNBR, Marty Lurie. He'll talk about his life before baseball, what drives his popularity, and much, much more right after this. Welcome back to Giants <laughs> Double Play. I'm Henry Schulman, the Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, talking to you from Scottsdale, Arizona, on a really cool, very non-spring training-like day. And I'm here with Marty Lurie, who's the uh, host and sole proprietor of the Talking Baseball show. Uh, you can hear Marty on weekends, pre- and post-game on KNBR. Uh, and actually, uh, Marty, you do like about 22 hours a day every <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, isn't that
0: right? That's right. It's getting there. Uh, truthfully, I'm there, you know, 8 a.m., game time is at 1, I'm on the air all morning long, then we got the game, then I come on after John Miller wraps up, and I'm on there till about 8 o'clock at night, so it's a full day, let's put it that way. Yeah,
1: and uh, I mean, I want to get <coughs> into a little bit of your background, but before I, I do that, um, you know, you, you, your show is, is very, very popular. I mean, uh, among some of the talk show hosts here in the Bay Area, you have one of the most loyal followings, I think. Yeah. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, I think, Henry, because I'm on the weekends, uh, number one. Uh, the weekend is a time that people can really enjoy baseball. Uh, people are home, they're cooking, they're cleaning. Uh, they may be driving around, they may be going on vacation. Uh, California is one of those states where the cars are paramount, uh, driving up. Five or 580, whatever it is, and baseball is in the background. So that's number one. I think on the weekend we have a really good audience. And number two, I think I bring baseball to people. I really do. I mean, it's the love of the game. Uh, it's the story that I love to tell. I always use the old analogy of, you know, the movie Red River, you know, with John Wayne and the cattle drive, and that's what a baseball season is all about. And I think people like that part of baseball, uh, not necessarily, you know, fire this guy or trade everybody. I think people really enjoy that part of baseball, and that's what I bring to the air.
1: Yeah. I mean, we you know, you talk a lot about what's going on on the field, yeah. and so many of uh, the conversations now don't don't happen or don't cover what's going on, on on the field, but you feel there's a demand for, for that sort of thing. I mean, where should this guy play? Uh, when should a guy be benched? Uh, who do you think would be a great fit for, for that particular yeah. position? That's how you feel about, about that?
0: Yeah, because baseball is an interactive game. Way before the internet, we had baseball and we had managing from the stands. and. We- Pinch it this guy. Why didn't we do that? And that's part of baseball. It's been an interactive game, and it's something we all can relate to. Most people have a baseball story where they've seen a baseball game and they know the flow of a baseball game. And the other thing Leonard Coppett, the beautiful, wonderful Hall of Fame baseball writer, told me a long time ago, baseball unfolds slowly. The season unfolds slowly. The game unfolds slowly. Maybe too slow these days with pace of play. But the big moments unfold slowly, and we remember them more so than any other sport, and I think that's part of what people like to hear and like to talk about.
1: You know, um, I once heard baseball season described as a 162-page book, yeah, that's true. where, where uh, you know, unlike football, where you have, you know, you have 16 regular season games, a couple of playoff games, a couple of preseason games, or whatever. Um, it does, doesn't it seem to you sometimes that in a sort of modern age of... Um, you know, uh, you know, lack of patience and instantaneousness, if that's a word. People just want to jump to page 162 of the book right away.
0: You, you sense that, too? Oh, absolutely. And that's part of my job is not to do that. And, you know, they kid about, you know, I talk people off the ledge or off the bridge. And I do. Uh, Because, look, after 30 games, you know that. uh, You know, you can't judge a baseball season. You can't do it after 90 games. But a season has a flow, and that's what I try to bring to the audience. The first month, you kind of try to figure out uh, the veteran's going to be okay. In May, you you may be getting your feet on the ground with the bullpen and the starting rotation. June, you kind of figure out who you are and what you need. And in July, you go get it. Then in August, the kids take over because it's so hot, you need fresh legs. And in September, the pros take over that run to the finish line. So I try to bring that to the air, to the flow of a baseball season. But absolutely, come on, if you lose the first three games, that's the end of the season. Oh, Goodbye, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's done.
1: I've always told my <laughs> editors, uh, you know, when they've asked me, I mean, I've had editors ask me after a pitcher's first two starts, you got to do a story about what's wrong with that pitcher, and I say 40 games. 40 yeah. games to me is about the first time that you really can, um, and it doesn't, 40 games doesn't necessarily prove anything for 162, but it's the first time you can sort of look at a trend and go, okay, maybe we should ask now what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, for me, it's June, about the middle of June. I think that's that's where I like to say, okay, I use the, the phrase, you know, I, I love fruit, and I say, when the peaches are on the trees... Then you tell me what the team looks like. and when, when
1: the peaches are on the trees. Right. When
0: the peaches are on the trees and they come out in June and uh, the best fruit comes out of the, the valley, then you tell me what the team looks like. Okay. So but I don't you, do anything until then.
1: Do you like peaches? I do. I love peaches. I love
0: peaches. Come on. This, I love absolutely nectarines. Is,
1: exactly. I mean, this is what a podcast is for, to find out I, the little information about this thing.
0: I love it. Cachawassee Farms has a nectarine named after me. Marty's favorite. Oh right. wow, they they sell Marty! It, Marty, they?
1: Marty! Marty's favorite is a lot easier to spell than what was that?
0: Kashiwasi <laughs> Cache- Farms. Where's that? Uh, it's in the valley, oh, but okay. they're they're in every farmer's market around Berkeley and San Francisco, and and I love going there. And uh, they named the nectarine after me. Yeah, well, Marty's I'm going
1: to look for that label. Oh, believe me, in um, July. Now, uh, one of the things that sets you apart from most of the radio talk show hosts. Uh, not just in the Bay Area, but around the country, is you're always in the clubhouse. I mean, we're here at Scottsdale Stadium. You were inside today. You had your uh, microphone for recording. Uh, You also walked over to players. Some some of the stuff we do as as beat reporters, where you walked over, you had conversations with guys, stuff that you're not going to use on the air, direct quotes or whatnot. Um, How much of your success or the attraction of of your show do you think is based on the fact that you have these interactions with players and you're not just talking off the top of your head? Yeah,
0: I think it's very important uh, to understand the people and to understand how the game is going, what the clubhouse is like and to be out here every day. I mean, honestly, watching Melanson throw just to to Watson yesterday warming up, I said, God, Melanson's arm looks pretty good. Uh, To watch Samarja, I said, you know, I'm a layperson but there was no hitch in his delivery yesterday during his bullpen uh, to talk to Joey Bart this morning which I tweeted out uh, a minute on Joey Bart catching Bumgarner uh, I think it's important to be here every day. Look, you guys do it. I don't know how you do the travel. I always admire you. I've told you that a million times, uh, the travel that you go through for the year. But I think it's important for me to be at every game, every home game, every spring training game. I live in Arizona. And for me, my job has started. I'm supposed to be here every day, and that's the way I'll understand the team and the feel of the team. That's right. my
1: job. Right. And, and that's you know, that's really what a good reporter does yeah. as well. Now, um, I've been a reporter pretty much my whole career. Uh, you have not been a journalist your your whole career. Uh, let, let's start out first of all about where you're from. You sound like a guy who should be from New York. I'm a kid from Brooklyn. Okay. You
0: know that's it. I say Mario Alioto. I don't say Mario. You know. So. I'm <laughs> Mario Alioto. Yeah, Mario. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, and that's the baseball background I've got. I grew up during the the golden era of baseball of Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, and Duke Snyder. I was there for that. Then to Miami Beach, Florida. And and the Orioles trained there and I was out of Miami Stadium and I've got pictures with Albie Pearson and all Boog Powell and things like that when I was just a teenager. Uh, and then came to California in nineteen seventy two and I've been in I still consider myself a Cal. Even though you
1: live in Arizona. Right.
0: I live here half the year in Arizona. But I was a criminal trial defense lawyer. And I started nineteen seventy, did until nineteen ninety five. It was my own practice.
1: Mostly in the Bay Area, right? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Uh, did over 100 homicide cases three capital cases beginning to end and it just wore me down 1995 I said well this is, I just couldn't bounce back and people said well why don't you try baseball on the radio I said really and I went to a little station and tried a show and it was like being in court again and the red light came on you have to start talking and then one thing a lawyer can do is talk, and it was a natural for me. Plus, I studied baseball my whole life. For me, it was it was my unconditional friend from age five to today. My father had died when I was four and a half, and baseball filled that void for me. So I love it, and that's what I try to bring to the airwaves.
1: Now, were you like me, a Dodger fan growing up?
0: No. I was, well, a Dodger fan until about eight years old. Okay. Uh, and, of course, Jackie Robinson, I have his jersey hanging in my bedroom. Pee Wee Reese as well, that number 42 and number one. I've been to Abbott's Field, and I, I love it. But in, when the Orioles came into existence, for some reason, as a kid, I was a member of the Audubon Society. I love the bird on the hat. And I became an Oriole fan, and until I started this thing in 1996, I lived and died with the Orioles. Now I'm in the Bay Area. I went to Giant games at Candlestick. I was there for Ron Pruitt's hit in the, you know, the pennant race and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Dodgers to Orioles, and now I am a baseball fan, and of course love to see the Giants win because it's good for business.
1: Well, then I imagine that you had some intense personal feelings uh, learning about the sickness and the death of Frank Robinson.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's funny you mention that. He was my favorite player uh, growing up. Uh, Frank Robinson, I was a lawyer, and I worked hard. And Frank would go three for four. And they'd say, Frank, you had a great day, three for four. And he'd say, I'm supposed to do that. And he was tough, tough as nails, and he was a leader. And in my law practice, if something went well, as a criminal lawyer, it doesn't always go well— People would say, well, you did a good job. And I said, well, I'm supposed to do that. Frank Robinson was my hero. He taught you that. He did teach yeah. me that, and it was a bad blow. Did you ever meet him? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he knew, I knew about his career. And when he would I'd say, well, your first home run was off Paul Minner. And he'd say, no, I don't think so. I said, Frank, it was off Paul Minner, believe me. And, of course, he told me his favorite home run, one of the most important, was uh, the one that won the World Series in 1966 against the Dodgers, the one nothing game in the fourth game. There's a
1: great picture of that uh, of that home run that I've seen. I've seen it before, but I saw it recently. You can Drysdale. see Frank looking up at the ball, and you can see Don Drysdale kicking the dirt. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't get along, Frank Robinson yeah. and Don Drysdale. I think mean, maybe partly because Frank owned him a little bit, uh, and they were both sort of hard-nosed, tough, tough players. You don't really see now. You know, we don't want to be two old guys talking about how great things were in the old yeah. days, but you just don't see players like that anymore,
0: do you? No, no, absolutely. He was a tough player. He came to play, and you know, he he was what epitomized. I mean, let's face it. You know, he just was a cut below the greats but when he retired you know he was 57 hits short of 3586 home runs i liked talking to him i really did we had fun talking together and i got to see him last september when he was here and did a very nice interview with him about growing up in oakland and getting into oh, yeah. columbia yeah. south carolina and what he went through the challenges of integration and segregation and, you know,
1: as you answered that question well, you're hearing some clickety clack in yes. the background <laughs> and that's the sound of the players who are coming out uh, for their work today at Scottsdale Stadium and their their cleats are hitting the stairs as they walk up the stairs. Sights and sounds of baseball. And I bring that up because um, just before FanFest when you started uh, your show for the year uh, last weekend, uh, following you on Twitter at BaseballMarty, correct? At BaseballMarty. I don't think there are any fans who seemed as excited perhaps as you. That baseball was starting, and part of that is the sights and sounds of the game, right? The uh, the sounds of these cleats hitting the stairs, the sounds of bat on ball, um, the, the the sounds of uh, the chatter and all that. Does that still put you know give you sort of like a visceral joy?
0: Absolutely, it brings you back to happy times. That's what baseball is all about. Uh, we can connect the dots of your father, your family, you, growing up in Los Angeles. You've got great stories of, of baseball people you met in Los Angeles that we've used on the air Uh, it's bringing back those moments so for me spring training is bonding again with baseball we haven't had it for 4 or 5 months now we're hearing the pop of the ball in the glove we're hearing the cleats and we're getting into the groove of it and that's what spring training does for me and this year I I tell you it's going to be a story and, uh, you know, where we start on this conversation, it's going to be a story. It's going to go uh, every single day. If it's good, it's going to be an amazing story. And if it's not good, it'll be an amazing story because Farhan is going to have to mold this team. So we're in for a story.
1: Yeah, and we were talking about that the other day. Uh, and, uh, you know... I- this is I've been asked this on radio all the time. You'll probably ask me the same question when you interview me for the first time this year. But uh, in most years, you really do have a sense of what the Giants' uh, goal is, what the nature of the team is going to be. Uh, are you as sort of perplexed as I am as to what the direction is yep. right now?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, they've got a lot of veterans, a core group of veterans, and we're going to have to see what they do. Samarja, Melanson, of course, Bumgarner. I mean, we go around the whole team. There's a question mark at every single position on the team, and that's where we are in spring training. If it goes well maybe they'll stick with these guys for a while, and if it doesn't go well, Farhan has got to deal with it.
1: Yeah, in, so, in, in journalism, I mean, we I tell people all the time, people ask me, is it better when the Giants are winning? And I say, well, it's, you know, winning or losing doesn't seem to matter. Sure. The worst thing is boring. Yes. And I, you get the sense this is not going to be a boring year.
0: No. I'm telling you it's going to be interesting because mm-hmm. a lot of the veterans have a chip on their shoulder right now because they've been embarrassed for two years, and they're only 30, 31, 32 years old. They're not Methuselah here. You know, they in the baseball world they should still be able to play and even though they've made a lot of money they have to show and there's a lot of pride so let's see what they do is there
1: one or two of the veteran players whom you would you know i guess would say have had down year or years yeah. um and uh, who are, st- are still around possibly because their contracts were too big to trade Any one or two of those guys that you think might have a chance to have a bounce back this year?
0: I think belt. I always say belt because, you know, he gives you part of a year, and he was almost an all-star last couple of years. One year he was, and he was in the runoff. So that's always there for him. So I always say this is going to be the year that he hits 30. And I think the other one is Posey. I mean, he says he's terrific. He says he feels great. Uh, Spring training for me is just get out of here healthy. But for veterans – players coming back from injuries you want to see them look like they're playing like they were playing not limping around or goosing their arm and you know not throwing it up there so posey for me is the other one
1: just uh going back to your show um you know you uh, you have a lot of younger listeners and i know that because uh you know i i I see them tweeting again uh you can follow marty on uh, at baseball marty on twitter he's a good follow um Do you ever have to catch yourself not just going on and on about the old days, uh, you know, when you know that there's so many fans that you have on the radio uh, who, who just don't doesn't resonate with them.
0: Well, absolutely. You have to balance it. But you have to tell the story. I'm here to, to tell the story every day. I had Joey Barton on this morning. Uh, Sam Coonrod, I'm going to have him on. You must tell the story of the players who are playing and the ones coming up. I love it. I like that. But on the other hand, you want to always realize that baseball is built on tradition. And you want to educate, and I take it as, as my duty to educate. Educate people and to keep the flame alive of the story of baseball. So there's a balance, but you must firsthand, without a doubt, tell the story of today in today's words. Yeah, you you seem more than some other interviewers on the radio
1: talk show host to really enjoy the interaction. Yeah. With listeners now, I mean, I, I think that for some radio talk show hosts, that's that's a burden more than more than uh, a joy. But you seem to like that interaction.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I tell people, I'm honored. Seriously, I'm honored for someone to take the time to pick up the phone, to tell me their story or to give me their opinion. I'm honored. I really, maybe it's all the years of picking juries, and and getting to know people and wanting to find out what and being a good listener. Mm-hmm. I'm a listener. And and I let sometimes I let people go on and on for a little bit too long. But I'm known for letting people talk and to tell you honestly, I'm honored that they would think to call me. I That's really a, am.
1: Saturday and Sunday voir dear with Marty Lurie. That's the deal.
0: Yeah. Really? I sound like a lawyer most of the time, you know, especially if I get into an argument. Well, yeah, them. you and I get we you and I
1: have arguments and, and they're very friendly arguments, yes. but we have disagreement. I mean we had a disagreement the other day about whether the Giants should have Gerardo <laughs> Parra, and we were having that disagreement as they had already sealed the deal <laughs> to bring the, the outcome fielder here um you know they also they also say that uh, if, if people make fun of you it means uh, that they like you uh and uh one of the things that's uh, that kind of comes up with your show are the Martyisms, and people yes. just love it when you say something like boy that guy can hit yep. you know yep. that guy can run and that's now called a Martyism. Yep. i mean are you honored to
0: have like uh, an actual saying named after you absolutely 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 it's another one uh it's a long season you know, uh, let's see where we are when the peaches are on the trees. You know, that, this is the way I talk. But it's funny you say that. Um, you know, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. And in 2010, my first year of being on KNBR, they won. They won the World Series. I was on post games from 7 p.m. to midnight. It was crazy. And here I am in the parade. And I'm on the KMBR float, and I was on with the FP. And and here's the kid from Brooklyn who saw Willie Mays at Ebbets Field and the whole thing, telling the whole world about Giants baseball. And here's a million people. And as I'm going down Market Street, they're yelling those things to me that's yeah, a long season he can hit <laughs> and things like that and I said yeah. wow you made, cool. made it that was cool they, they are... did a Marty Lurie bingo game once uh,
1: wow. How did the, oh so you got a bingo card with all your sayings, all sayings on it right. and they
0: did it for like a pre-game and they filled in we did it live at the public house and when they filled in their card we had a whole bunch of gifts and we would give people
1: oh that's that's fantastic yeah. Yeah. and um uh, I know you're on at different times, uh, depending on on the show, but roughly, can you give us an idea, say, for home games on the weekends, what your hours are on, um, you know, for, for home game, day games, whatever?
0: Sure. It's three hours before first pitch that I come on. You're the marathon Well, Actually, uh, actually, four hours, before, mm-hmm. four hours before first pitch. So if it's a one o'clock start, yeah, Marathon Marty. Marty the party, Bruce calls. Him. Uh, Sam Dyson started in with me about that the other day. He said, why do they call you Marty the party? I said, I'm on a lot. He says, nah, it must be you grew up in the 60s. You know, I said, yeah, look, I like marijuana. It's okay. I'm Kamala Harris. All right? I, listen, I listen to Snoop Dogg in the 60s. Uh, all right. No, I digress. But I'm on uh, four Four hours before first pitch, mm-hmm. uh, so it's 9 a.m. and I'll take it till about 12:40, doing part of the Giants pregame as well. Uh, game's at one o'clock, and then, uh, as I say, I'll come on after the wrap-up, and I'll take it for three hours. So it's about a 14-hour weekend of being on the air but being at the ballpark and preparation um, i'm a lawyer so i'm preparing and you know that when i when you come on with me i'm prepared so i'm preparing two hours before getting on the air so it's a full weekend
1: yeah well listen marty this was this was fascinating i think uh, our readers are going to love hearing these stories and whatnot and um i look forward uh, again to being on your show as i have been over the years uh we're going to have, like you said, an interesting season, and I think that your phone lines are going to light up this year.
0: Yeah, well, Henry, I'll tell you this: I did three to five after the Fan Fest, and it was, of course, Harper. They never stopped. Wall to wall calls, three to five after the, because of Bryce Harper. And I've always told you this, and I'll say it on the air: uh, you should have a show. <laughs> no, I'm telling you honestly, and you've been on with us at the public house, and whenever you come on, the fans appreciate it. You get a lot of cheers, but you have opinions, and you're not afraid to do it, and that's what a talk show is all about.
1: Yeah, well, uh, believe it or not, I like the job security of newspapers <laughs> more than radio. Really? We have been talking to Marty Lurie, the host of Talking Baseball, every weekend during the, uh, during the Giants season, and I wish you luck this year. All right. Thanks, Henry. Thank you for listening. I'll be doing more Giants Double Play podcasts from spring training in Arizona as this most interesting season gets off the ground. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. You can find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Hank Shulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com.